Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. For the next few moments, quiet your mind and listen carefully with your whole heart. Take a deep breath in. Hold it. Now breathe out. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Deep breath in. Hold it. Now breathe it out. Jesus didn't say you might find rest, or that somehow you'll find rest as you wander aimlessly through this life. He said, come to me, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. It's a promise. He goes on to tell us that he is gentle, and that in him our very souls will find rest. Breathe in. Hold. Breathe out. You can take Jesus at his word. You can choose to take all your cares and worries, anxiety and pain, habits and hurts, and give them to Jesus. Are you restless? Are you weary and worn out? If given the opportunity, could today be that day of rest? As you breathe in and breathe out, remember that Jesus is patiently waiting for you to come to him, bringing everything that's weighing you down. Jesus is waiting to give you rest. I read about a lady who bought a parrot. She was lonely and figured that a parrot would help with conversation, would help her, if you will, not feel so alone. But when she got home, the parrot didn't say a word. So she went back to the store and simply told the owner, the parrot doesn't talk. Well, the man at the store said, well, you know, maybe you need a ladder. You know, parrots like ladders. It gives them something to exercise. They like going up and down and it'll probably put it in the right mood. So she purchased the ladder and put it in its cage. And she watched for some time as it went up, it went down, it went up, it went down, but still it never said anything. So she goes back to the store and says, parrot, don't talk. The man at the store said, well, maybe you need a swing. Maybe a swing along with the ladder will help and that will put it in a good mood and then it'll start to start to talk. So she bought the swing. She went home, put it in the cage, and sure enough, the pair went up the ladder, down the ladder, swang back and forth, up the ladder, down the ladder, back and forth, but the pair didn't talk. She goes back to the store, and she says, sir, the pair doesn't talk. Well, maybe you need a mirror. You know, parents like to look at themselves, and And as they see their reflection and they swing and they climb up and down the ladder, it will put it then in the right mood. And sure enough, she bought the mirror. She put it in the cage and 
as you would imagine, the parrot enjoyed looking at itself. It would look and look. It would swing and swing up the ladder, down the ladder, but the parrot didn't talk. She went back to the store, a little dejected this time, and said to the owner, the parrot died. The manager was like, you gotta be kidding me. What do you mean it died? I mean, really? She said, yeah, it swang and it looked at itself, it went up the ladder and it just died. The manager said, did the parrot say anything, like anything before it died? And she said, actually, it finally did. Well, what did the parrot say? The parrot said, don't they sell any food at that store? (laughs) I know, pretty, pretty bad, eh? But you know, it's pretty true if you think about it. Because I am committed to believe, and we've talked about this before, but we're going to look at it a little bit different. We're going to look at it from God's word. And that video really sets it up, because here's the deal I've learned. There's a lot of people in God's church that have ladders, they have swings, they have mirrors, and yet they're the walking dead because they have no food. It's true. I don't know if you know this or not, but people today sleep on average two and a half hours less on average in this country alone. People are resting two and a half hours less on average than we did 100 years ago. And the average work week just in this country is actually now longer than it was in the 60s. Isn't that interesting? We're working more, sleeping less. Boy, the perfect combination of success. What is it about us? When do we finally, if you will, quit thinking that it's ladders that we need to climb? It's swings we need to stop swinging. It's looking in the mirror and deciding what we think the reflection of success is. What is it about us that we keep saying we're so much smarter, so much wiser, and yet we're living more stupid? If that offends you, I'm not trying to offend you. What is it about us? That even in this room right now, for some of us who say we are a follower of Jesus, but we're not living like Jesus. When are we going to stop and ask ourselves, what really matters? You know, this isn't even on script, but it's off script. Last night we watched a movie. Many of you know I love to watch movies. We clicked into Disney Plus and there's a movie. It's an old movie. It came out in 1991. Never had seen it before. And the title is Mark Twain and Me. Do you all know that one? You've seen it? Story of Samuel Clemens, the author Mark Twain, his fame and fortune and all of that stuff. There was so much about the movie. And I I get there's Hollywood twist and all of that stuff in it. But it was interesting to me how much he had gained. And in the movie, he begins to admit how much he had lost. There's a moment in the movie where he meets this little girl and 
That's hence really what the story's about, Mark Twain and me. And this little girl, and he makes a statement about his family, and he had lost a daughter. If you know the story of Mark Twain, he had lost a daughter when she was early in life, and, and he talked about who she was, and he had another daughter, but she really didn't get the attention that she had deserved. And he admits to this little girl and says, you know, it's interesting in life that you think that you value time and where you should have given it. He makes the statement, where you should have given that time, you didn't. And it's crazy how we say we value it and all the time we give away to people that we don't even really care about. I mean, how many dads couldn't wait to be a dad, but they spend so little time with their children, but they spend all their time with their friends. And if they really count those friendships, how many of those friendships have actually changed in all the years? But there's this little child still begging. How many marriages that you'll spend so much time in conflict were once you used to hold the hands, now you actually push those hands and push them away? And you'll spend more time about what you disagree with rather than what brought you together in the first place. But we don't want to talk about that, do we? We just want to talk about God loves you. Go do what you want. He's never going to forsake you. You get it. It's all about you. And I can't do that. Because it's not about you. It's not about me. We're to die to ourselves. So we can experience something so much better that we let our heart be crucified so he can give us his new heart in that resurrection. Amen to that? I don't know if you ever feel like this, but this is in the Bible. Job wrote, I have no peace. I have no quiet. I have no rest. And trouble keeps coming. Well, welcome to the next four weeks of a series I've entitled Playroom. We could call it playground because that's my hope. Jesus said, come to heaven like a little child, not as a child, but much like a little child. And when you think about children in a playroom or on a playground, what, what do you discover? They're never distracted by any previous day event. They're not anxious about any up and coming activity. They're just free to play. Free to imagine, free to enjoy, free to embrace the moment, the way life was supposed to be. And it's to that that I want to speak. Because I've discovered in my own life, even at 56 years of age, there is a space, there is a place, there is a pace between my current loads and my much-needed limits. And it can be developed, it must be developed, and it's a place called margin. Margin. And it's a big deal, because I want you to listen to this. If you don't have margin, you have misery. You have messes. You have conflict. You have stress. You have tension. You have worry. Because when you don't have margin, whether it's spiritual, physical, financial, emotional, 
You'll never experience the abundant life that Jesus wants to give you. You'll never, never experience it. I mean, let's, let, let's just remove Christ for a moment and talk about John Wooden. You know what he said, that famed coach? If you don't have time to do it right, when will you have time to do it over? There's a piece of wisdom. How many times do we cut corners? And the only reason you cut corners is because you don't think you have time, but you act all the time you need. You just didn't do it right the first time. How do you think you're ever going to get it right? We've got to figure this out, people. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. While you're going there, I want to quickly tell you why margin is so important. And you can have it in your life. But I want to use my own life. And, and if I can, I'm going to say something that will sound like I'm a directing attention towards me. I'm not. Just sharing with you about some things that I've learned. But so many people hear about the things that I'm involved in. And they literally say, how do you get done? And how do you get to do all that you do? And it's one word, margin. And, and I will tell you, I'm figuring that out. I always like to say, I'm not going to say I figured it out because I think we're always a student to learn. But, I, but I'm figuring it out. And I'm definitely on the side of freedom more than I am in prison when it comes to my time. And it's real, it's, it's an incredible, unbelievable secret. I've said it many times from this pulpit, and yet I wonder how many of you even, even get it. But less is more. When you understand the power of margin, you get to actually be a part of a whole lot more that you can't even begin to imagine. God does open the floodgates of heaven, and if you'll take one step, he will give you two. It's unbelievable how God works. And it's true in everything in my life when it comes to relationships, when it comes to finance, when it comes to spirituality, every area in my life when you understand the power of margin. What I'm going to give you is so important. I want you to listen to this. Principles, and this is why I'm not into self-help books. The only, the only thing that you need to know about self is we all need help, okay? All right? But I'm not into that. I'm not into self-help books. People consume them because what they're looking for is they're looking for that silver bullet. But here's the problem. They don't get the silver bullet because they want to worship the silver bullet. Principles are not given to be worshiped. Principles are embraced. That's where the word disciple comes from. It means discipline. You ready for this? So I'm free to worship. I don't worship the principles. The principles put in place. So I am then what can truly worship? I hear people say it all the time. I just don't have time. You have all the time you need and you're going to answer to God for that time. You better get that. There's no time you're going to ever hear God go, oh, I don't know how you did it. Oh, like, whoa, how did you get? I, I don't, man, I just don't understand. You're tired because you choose to be tired. You're stressed because you choose to worship stress. You worry because you choose to be a worry ward. Now, if you don't like that, you just need to understand. You better square with the problem. Is God bigger than your problems or not? He owns everything and he holds everything. 
To him be the glory. And he cares more about me than I'll ever care about anything else. And so I want you to listen why margin is so important. I'm going to list these to you, and then we're going to look at what the Bible says. It provides a healthier mindset. It just does. When you put margin in your life, you will make less stupid decisions. I'm here to tell you, you just think better. And we need to be in a world where people start thinking better. Is that just true? You need to think better. That's what margin does. Listen, it's hurry and worry always go together. When you understand margin, and some of you go, what do you mean by margin? When you begin to put, I'm not talking about slowing down. I know a lot of people who run fast without God. I know a lot of people who sit and do nothing for God. So I'm not talking about pace. I'm talking about the person of Christ. Putting margin in and recognizing what really matters. I'm going to show you that. But it provides a healthier mindset. Here's the second. It produces a healthier body. I mean, we all know in NASCAR, high performance requires regular pit stops. And we know that in NASCAR. I mean, think about it. Can you fix anything going 200 miles an hour? You'll never hear the guy on the, on, the, on the speaker telling the driver, man, I know the tires are bald. Just stay out there, man. You're winning. You'll never hear him say, man, if you come in for a pit stop, you're going to give something up. Yeah, you're going to give up stupid. You're going to give up the wall. You're going to give up a rollover. High performance requires regular pit stops, and the same is true for your body. It's so true for your body. How much greater is your body than some car? No rest produces stress, people. Every body needs downtime. By the way, it's one of the reasons God gave it the Sabbath. It's one of the reasons. And yet, what has Satan been stealing from the Christian church? The Sabbath. We, well, I, I, just, I just meet God out in the woods. Well, it sounds good. It's just justifying your schedule, if you call it what it is. Because the Bible doesn't say that the Sabbath is about you. It's about all of us being together. We must not forsake the assembly of the body. That's what people don't understand. It's more than just you. But here's number three. It establishes healthier relationships. Let me tell you something about relationships. They all need time to walk and talk. Not run and throw a note at each other, okay? They need to listen and learn. They need to cuddle and caress. They need to laugh so they can live. I will, I will say it again. Those who live without margin are the ones that live with conflict. It's just true. But here's number four. It makes us spiritually fit. When you have margin in your life, it makes you spiritually fit. When you're overloaded, the only thing you can think about is you and how to survive. Do, do you understand 
that busyness is a wonderful, it's a sad, but a wonderful tool of the devil. Because when you're running too hard, the only person you can think about is yourself. And when you're thinking about yourself, you're not walking like Christ who says you need to empty yourself and think of others more important than yourself. That's why Satan, if you will, ramps us up and says, you got to get this done. You got nothing yet done. You don't need to get anything done until you get this right. Because this is what it's all about. Everything in life has to do with what's coming, the eternal, the afterlife, heaven, people. All your job does is pay the bills. And maybe that's where we get it wrong because we're seeking employment not to pay the bills, but to build us a castle so somehow we can feel good about ourselves. And we're chasing the very things that don't matter. What really matters? What really matters? That's margin. So if you got your Bibles, Matthew 11. Now, I'm, I'm going to share with you and set this up. I find this a very interesting passage. When it begins, Matthew 11, we're talking about John the Baptist, the one who prepared the way for the coming of Christ. John is now in prison, and he asks this simple phrase. He sends someone out, and he simply, he's having a little moment of question, and he simply says, hey, can you, can you go and ask Jesus, is he really the Christ? In other words, I did all this. I'm about ready to die. I'm going to lose my head for this. And he said, I just want to know, is he the one? Jesus doesn't condemn him for his doubt. He doesn't condemn him or curse him for his question. Jesus simply says, you go back and tell him, yeah, it's me. It's okay. And then Jesus gives this incredible, if you will, a dissertation. This incredible, if you will, a, a doctoral work, I like to call it that, of who John was and who John is, is going to be when he gets to heaven and the incredible greatness of who he was, of all that he had surrendered. But then there's like a twist in the story. If you look at verse 20, Jesus then begins to denounce the towns where he had done so many of his miracles because they didn't repent of their sin. He begins to speak about them in a way that they're going to be cursed. And I stop and think about that in light of America. Like you stop and think about all that God has given us for the sheer fact you're born in this country. What have you been doing with it? When you die and breathe your last and you stand before God, what'd you do with it? What investment did you make? You can sit and say, I'm a follower of Christ, are you? What does it really mean to be a follower? You're the one that's got to answer for it, not me. You can disagree with me completely, and I'm okay with that. The question is, is are you really okay with it, and will God be okay with it? What did you do? What really matters? What are you living for? What does God know what you're living for? Maybe the other side too. What does Satan know what you're living for? So Jesus then literally curses these towns and spells out what's going to happen to them. And then in verse 25, 
It says, at this time, Jesus prayed this prayer, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever. Now watch what he says, and for revealing them to the childlike. To the childlike. Notice that setup. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. My Father's entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Why, why would God choose to reveal who Jesus is to you? Why would he want to do that? But here's where you may just want to listen, because I'm going to go into verse 20, if you will, 28. And I want to read it from Eugene Peterson's The Message. Here's what he says. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out? Come to me. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out? And he adds the words on religion. <laughs> Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. Notice that. Get away. It's not too late but get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. And look at the promise. Watch how I do it. This is one of my favorite lines. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly like a child on a playground, like a child in a playroom. And so I want to say it again. Principles are not to be worshiped, but when embraced, now we can worship. And I want to give you, I want to pull, if you will, some key principles about how do you live with margin? Why is this so important? And I'm going to show you how to do it. But I, but I have to set up the series this way. If you don't get these the next three weeks, you'll never get. And here's the first one, if you'll write it in. If you want to live with margin, understand what it means, and experience life the way God had purposed and planned, you've got to accept your limitations. Say it with me. Accept your limitations. You know, a college professor was giving a lecture to his students on stress. He took a glass and he raised it up and he simply asked, how heavy do you think this glass of water is? As you can imagine, students began shouting out answers. Half a pound, one pound. How about five pounds? After a while, the professor finally said, listen, it doesn't matter how much the glass weighs. My question is, is how long are you going to hold it up? Are you tired? Are you worn out, burned out? Get away with me. Listen, listen to this very carefully. You will never fix what you're unwilling to face. And I think one of the great problems in the church right now is that we think, we think salvation is inviting Christ into our life. And it's not. It's dying to yours. And you'll never understand who Christ is until you're willing to admit who you're not. 
I'm not the Christ. You're not the Christ. Jesus said, why do you think yourself even as good? Not even I would call myself good. Only the Father's good. I've said it before. Good people go to hell. Bad people go to heaven. Those who are willing to admit it. God don't owe us anything, people. And you'll never fix what you're unwilling to face. David even wrote in Psalm 119, I have learned that everything has limits. And can I tell you this? I'm going to give you a little secret. A life without limits is actually a very limited life. Albert Einstein, you know that big smart dude? He said it this way. Once we accept our limits, it is then we can go beyond them. Boy, is that a secret. See, once you know what you cannot do, it's then that you discover what he can do. That's what Paul meant when he says, listen, I can do all things through Christ. I can't do all things, but I can do all things through Christ. Why? Because I've centered the relationship rightly, so now I'm about the right things. See, here's the deal. We can only do what God created us to do. And yet our world is lying to us all the time. It is a lie, people. You've probably heard this. You can be anything you want. All right. Jump off a building. Be a bird. How about this? Go stand in traffic and say, I'm invisible. Okay? See, that's just stupid. It's absolutely crazy. Just work hard and set your mind to it. You can be anything you want. That's just not true. Everything has limits. Your time, your money, your energy, absolutely everything. You were created with limits. God made it that way. I'm just telling you, I love basketball. I love basketball. I'll never be the center for the Lakers in the NBA. And we all know why. I have limits this way. I mean, I had a pretty good vertical. Not that good. I love watching the Olympics. You're never going to see me in the 100-meter dash unless I'm holding the tape for the guy to break. And they probably wouldn't even let me do that because I wouldn't do it very well. Because I'd be like, oh, my God, oh, whoops. You know what I mean? Because I've got ADD. You see how it works? Every one of us has limits. And our world's been lying to us. We can only do what God created for us to do. Job 14 says, you have given us so many months to live and you have set the limits that we cannot go beyond. And we all know this little bad boy right here, what happens if you don't plug it in? Absolutely. Why would your life be any different? And there's way too many people right now who are the walking dead. Ecclesiastes 4.8 says, some people are never satisfied with what they own and they never stop working to get more. They should ask themselves, why am I always working to have more? What a senseless and miserable 
life. And you know why you run the way you do? Because you have not accepted your limits. You know why you keep going as you do? Because you've not accepted your limits. And you know what busyness really to me is a sign of, especially among, among those who say they're followers of Christ? I don't like what God made me to be. Because that's why I'm running the way I'm running, because I'm looking for something I'm not. When you recognize your limits, it's in them that you will discover limitlessness. It really does work that way. The answer to everything starts here. And when you embrace it, and that's why I can enjoy an incredible basketball game. That's why I've enjoyed mentoring some personal athletes. I love watching them succeed as God created them because I'm okay with the way God created me. And it's a little hard to mentor someone when you're trying to be them. And maybe why we have so few disciples in the church and more followers rather than people pointing people to Christ. Accept your limits. You got them. It's okay. I know who I am. I know who I am. And I know whom I believe. And I'm convinced he's able. I know who I am. I don't want to be you. I like being me. See, I like me. Because I'm the me God made. And there's something freeing in that. What are your limits? We'll come back to that moment. Here's number two. And this one I'm just going to quickly go through. But it's a big one. Expect problems along the way. If you want to live in margin, there's going to be problems. And you go, I already know that. Well, then why do you keep acting like there aren't any? You might go, what am I talking about? Okay, you have an appointment on the other side of town at three o'clock and you leave this side of town five tell. <laughs> but what I was doing is important. Okay, let me fill in the blanks. And the person I'm meeting with isn't. So I'll make them wait because they don't matter. You see how that works? The subtlety of it? You keep pushing boundaries and pushing boundaries and expect everybody else to surrender to them. There's something wrong with that. Because as a follower of Christ, we're to think of others more important than ourselves. Well, I lost track of time. I've been there. It's amazing. You can actually set these and they have little alarms on them. <laughs> How do you think you learn a principle? You take advantage of those things to put in place the things that matter more. See how it works? Uh, let me just say this. Jesus said you're going to have problems. Now, Jesus said that. And so I just expect them. And I'd rather hold on. See, I'm, I'm not trying to be pessimistic, and I'm all about positive thinking, okay? But I just believe taking hold of reality is far better than grasping a fantasy. Not everything goes as planned. Has anybody figured that out? So let's quit acting surprised when it doesn't. 
See, a key piece to living with margin involves your ability to think. And the Bible calls thinking wisdom. And wisdom understands there's going to be problems, there's going to be delays, there's going to be bumps, and they're all part of life. Proverbs 22 says this, sensible people will see trouble coming and avoid it. But an unthinking person will walk right into it and later regret it. Anybody ever been that? See, just engage your brain. See, in margin, notice I haven't even gotten to God yet. I start with the fact that I'm not him. I need him. And I live in a broken world. Therefore, if the world's broken, I'm broken and I'm not him, then I need to understand that things aren't going to go as planned. Why? Because there's other broken people involved. And all of this stuff is really important to me because I've been sharing with you. And, and you laugh, but it's a big deal to me. The little things in my life, and many I've shared with you, there's too much of road rage in this guy. And I'm amazed how selfish it really is. Why am I upset that someone cut me off? I've been guilty. Why am I upset because someone made it to the stoplight before I did? This isn't a race. Why am I in such a hurry anyway? And God has been working on me. You have limitations, Keith. You're going to have problems. And all of that stuff is bringing me to a place to still myself before God. So you accept your limitations. We all have them. You expect problems because you're going to have them. Here's, here's step number three. We need to add space then to our pace. Add space to your pace. Now listen to this very carefully. The key to time management is not to fill it up. It's to free it up. Let me say it again. The key to time management is not to fill it up. It's to free it up. So you write in downtime. See, I'm, I'm a big believer. I'm going to play with this. I think parenting some of our children, not, and I've heard it, well, I'll keep my kids out of problem if I just keep them busy. That's a wonderful thing to teach them so when they become an adult. I don't want my kids to learn to stay out of problems. I want my kids to learn who Christ is. And those problems will look different. Satan wants to keep them busy to keep them out of problems because when they're busy, a lot of times they're not looking to Jesus. And so I'm not a believer in that, people. People look at me and go, you're so busy. Actually, I'm not. And I'm going to show you that in here in a minute. But if you want to free your time, you don't fill it. You put space in it. This is why I prayer walk. This is why I get up, and here it is this weekend. It's Sunday. I'm preaching, and I went out and walked two and a half miles this morning with God. This is why I do this. It's in my life. So when you call and say, Pastor, hey, can you and I like get together? This is the only time. I look at my calendar and go, nope, sorry. Because my meeting with God is more important than meeting with you. Because when I meet with you, I want to know where I started rightly. Now I have something to give you. And I'd like to believe that I'm busy too. This is why I do it. 
See, I add space to my pace, and the key is by giving God first place. And it works in everything in my life. You want to be financially free, then you give the first 10% to God. If you want to be burdened and continue to pay bills and, and, and have your money own you, don't. Just keep doing what the devil says. Well, I can't afford to. Of course not. And you never will. Because the moment, because you've already set a pattern, the moment you pay off those debts, you're going to accrue others. And if you do pay it off, you're going to start looking at the bottom line going, oh, I better hang on to this. We're finally out of debt. We're finally out of debt. We're out of fence. You're always in debt until you surrender to Jesus Christ. Okay? I don't care how you look at it. But that's how it works. That's what it's about. It's about putting God first. It had nothing to do with money. It has the same in relationships. My wife and I, I talk all the time about it. And in our home, just so you know, she knows this. She's watching. She'll agree with this. I'm the more romantic one in our home. I know some of you are going, you got to be kidding me. Ask her. Okay? But at the same time, we understand both perspectives of where we come from. Here's the key. If we want our marriage to work, then this relationship has to proceed and, if you will, trump all others. So we write in time together. Which is sort of hypocritical if you don't after your marriage because it seemed you had all the time in the world to hang out before. Why would that change? Some of you go, well, we have kids now. Well, then why are you letting kids take the place of what began and even made them in the first place? And when they turn 18, they're not going to be there anymore and you're just going to have each other. The number one time people get a divorce was in the first first one to two years of marriage. Do you know the second number one time of divorce? After the kids leave home. And so Kay and I, we have our time. I want to hold hands. I want to just be together. I just need that time. She needs that time. Now, mostly for me, it's her correcting me in that time. But, but I need that time, Okay. But you see how it works? Listen to this very carefully. If you cram your life with activity, you will develop a life of reactivity. It's just an absolute fact. Psalm 127 says, it is senseless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, fearing that you'll starve to death. For God wants his loved ones. Who does? God wants his loved ones to get their proper rest. And here's what I've discovered. The faster I go, the more margin I need. And isn't that what they teach in driver's edge? The faster you go, you need more distance between the car in front of you. It's almost they're telling you this. The faster you go, you need to sneak slower. Not faster. You need to put margin in there. You see how it works? I don't know if you've heard the story about the two lumberjacks, older one, younger one. The younger one had grown quite proud and, if you will, uh, quite famous that he could cut down so many trees in an incredible fast period of time. The older man wasn't so popular, but on a particular day, they were stationed side by side. As you can imagine, the young man thought, I'll show him. As the day began, the young man went to work. Tree after tree, tree after tree, tree after tree began to fall. The older Jack couldn't keep up. He'd chop an hour and take a 15-minute break. 
chop for an hour, take another 15 minute break. Yet at the end of the day, the older lumberjack had chopped down one third more than his younger counterpart. Somewhat put off, the boy went over and said, I don't get it. How in the world could you take a 15 minute break every hour and still outcut me? And the older man said, because when I stopped, I just sharpened my ax. There's a lot of truth to that. I'm not just sitting, consuming my time. I go for an hour, take 15 minutes, sharpen it. Go for an hour. And I will say it again. I am involved in so many things. I used to feel stressed. I don't today. What's crazy is I now get to be a part of even more. The same is true financially. The same is true relationally. The same is true spiritually in my life. Less is more when you understand margin and the power of it. Ecclesiastes 10 says, only someone too stupid would wear himself out with work. Please hear this. Life is not about how fast you live. Life is about how well you live. Amen to that? Here's step four. Now to do this, you have to start with your limitations. You need to look in the mirror today and go, okay, I need to be honest with who I am and who I'm not. And then I got to recognize there's going to be problems. Those two simple thoughts will help you to say, okay, I got to look at my life and go, where do I need to put the right things in? I'm going to show you that in just a second. But when you do that, you have to now prune needless activities regularly. You've heard it said, if you burn candles at both ends, you're not as bright as you think you are. <laughs> it's just true. And if you get too many irons in the fire, you'll put the, you'll put the fire out. And that's exactly what's happened with some of you. Cutting your activities is one of the most important biblical principles you can learn. It's true in preaching. It's true in conversation. It's true in everything in life, learning the art of cutting. Listen to this very carefully. It's not that some things are not necessarily wrong. They're just not necessary. And some of you are living your life doing what is good rather than God's best. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. What is he saying? Not everything you do is that important, because I've heard people say it, but it's so important. It's not. You just made it important. But the reason why is because you've not accepted your limitations. You've not, if you will, discovered who you're not and who God is. You're not looking at your life from a perspective of God, and it's putting you in trouble. Hebrews 12 says this, we should remove from our lives anything that would get in the way. And then he adds, and that sin that is so easily holding us back. Let me tell you the power of margin. Most addictions would go away if you'd understand this. Because almost every addiction is built out of speed. Did you know that? I need to do this, I need to do that, I need to do this, I need to do that. And there's so much of the world that will grip you until you can just learn to, ah, I don't need to do that. 
but you're never gonna figure out what you need to do unless you really take these steps. What Jesus said, are you burned out? So you notice what he started with. He didn't say, come to me. He says, you need to ask yourself, if you don't think you're burned out right now, keep running. Rock and roll if you want to be a rabbit or a tortoise. Go for it. Run. God's okay. Go. But I, but I, but I need to warn you. Don't suck into the lie. Well, I'm going to run. And one of these days, God, that one of those days may never happen. God doesn't owe us anything. You may run your life. By the way, I, I want you to listen to this. One way or another, you will look up to God. I'm going to say it again. One way or another. The Bible says on that day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And I know people who look up wrongly and they wonder why they get walked on their back, if you will, so painfully. So you can run, you can run, you can run all you want. I'm just saying at the end, you may not get God. You might, you might just run right out of it. That's why messages like this are so important that you hear this. So I want to ask you, what activity do you need to stop? Think about it. When's the last time you even looked at your schedule? What do you need to throw away? What do you need to prune? What do you need to cut off? What do you need to cut back? I'll say it again. The good we do will always keep us from the best he has. But his best requires margin. There's a story in the Bible, and I'm going to invite the team to come out. It's in Joshua. And in this story, here's a passage that is told to Joshua. Some of you are keeping things God commanded you to destroy. You're holding on to it. You will never defeat your enemies until you throw away those things. They're called idols, people. What are your idols in your life? For some of you parents, it's your kids. Oh yeah, you've, you've bought in. Well, but a good parent spends time with kids. You ready for this? More important than me spending time with my kids, which I think is important, is that my kids see me spending time with the one who gave me that time. So you can chase your kids all you want. Do they see you in love with God? Because they're going to live out eventually what you taught them was really important. What is your idol? What is your idol? What is your idol in your schedule? What is your idol in your budget? People, listen to this. This past week, I went to the park. They go, what's the big deal about that? Oh, I went to the park with my wife and my daughter. We're, we're just loving the fact that we're in a neighborhood and some of the things that we've been doing because it's all been about legacy and decisions we make. My wife held, our, held each other's hands and we have a dog. Some of you guys know our little dog now. And uh, a little Jersey, because everything in our lives with J's, I guess, and when we give birth to it. But um, <laughs> it's just, well, it fits, you know. <laughs> But, you know, well, your names are Keith and Kay. Yeah, but we are birthed in Jesus. Anyway, so, but, but we went and we went to the park and, and I swang on the swings with, with our little youngest Jackson. And we, we found a basketball there. It was someone had left, so, so we now own it. But, um, <laughs> but, but we shot some hoop together and we played in the monkey bars and we just had a great time. You say, why am I saying all this? I pastor a big church. I 
But what I discovered in margin is, is that God never asked me to be big. So let me rephrase it. I pastor his big church. And he said, Peter, I'm going to call you rock. And then he looks at Peter and says, but on this rock, I'm going to build my church. I don't need you to be big, Keith. I don't need you to be bad. I don't need you to rush about. You couldn't build anything that would last anyway. But I'm the cornerstone in the building. I'm the one that sets everything. Come to me. Let me show you what I can do. And so we went to the park and had a blast. We've been doing that a lot more. See, some of you, you don't ever would admit this, but it's one of the reasons why you like the Marvel movies. Because you stop and really think, what would it be if I could be an Iron Man? What would it be like if I could actually put on a suit of armor or I could fly like Superman or I could be like the Black Panther? Man, imagine if you were just the Hulk. That'd fix a lot of politics. <laughs> I mean, you stop and you th- I, I know we think of that. That's why we, we attract to them. That's why the Marvel movies in the top 10 grossing ever are at least five of them. There's something about us that thinks about it and you don't even realize that you're already a superhuman if you really get the real Superman. But you got an S in your chest. You don't ever show it. I mean, you don't jump in a room and go, I'm here. You know, you wouldn't do that. We'd call that arrogance, wouldn't we? But you think that way. That's why you have the schedule that you have. And it's why you have the company that you keep. And it's why you do what you do. And I already told you that S doesn't stand for superhuman. That S stands for stupid. Our world doesn't need superman and superwomen. We already have one. And it's the only one that matters. I pastor a big church, but God didn't ask me to be big. He said, you need some margin in your life, Keith. I'll take care of what I've wanting to take care of. You need to do what I called you to do. See, the S needs to stand for slow. The S needs to stand for still, serve, silent, small, solitude, sleep, surrender. And when God's people get that, amazing things start to happen. You'll stop walking by people that God wanted you to see. You'll actually listen more to what people are saying rather than being quick to speak. The Sabbath becomes a beautiful thing you just can't get fast enough to rather than chasing your own things. I want to read the passage again from the message, but before I do, I want to to put some things that I'm inviting everybody to do. I'm inviting everyone here to join me in my prayer walk. Which that means then that you're going to have to look at your limitations and you're going to have to start looking at your calendar, which would be a beautiful thing, and start looking at your life and start going, okay, 
I'm going to have to go to bed a little, little bit earlier, which means I'm not going to get to watch late night television. Hallelujah to that. You might have to go to bed a little bit earlier. And so I would encourage you. I'm asking everyone in this church to start joining me in my prayer walk. Oh, I don't want you to join me. That's my time with God. But you have your time with God, okay? I mean, I'll give you Reed's address and you can join him, okay? <laughs> but I know he's watching. I'm going to, okay? I'll even give you a cell number. Um, but but, I, but I'm, I'm asking everyone, what if we decided that tomorrow morning when we got up, the most important thing is that we go walk and talk with God the way that he walked and talked with Adam in the garden? Do you remember what happened in sin? God came and did what he would normally do, walk and talk, but he couldn't find them because they were hiding. And when I look at our world right now, you know what I see in busyness? God's people hiding. They're hiding behind all of their schedules and demands and Satan's winning that war. We need to confess our sin. God wants to walk and talk, not run, walk and talk. And the perfection of the garden, I'm asking everyone to join me. And I'm asking that through this series that you're gonna fast something. The word fast means I'm gonna put it aside and some of you are gonna freak out, especially younger people, but even older people. I'm going to ask you that you would fast this. Let me explain. Some of you are going, I can't. Of course you can't, because this is what you worship. You're more interested in one what your friends are doing than what God would like to tell you. I'm asking everybody here, and I'm saying older people too, because I go to restaurants and I'll see two old people in their 70s and 80s on their phones, not even talking to each other. So, so don't, don't hide behind that. I'm pretty sure all the older people own one too. All right. Some of you are going with, yeah, I can't put the roadier one in my purse anymore. You know, you know the cord ain't long enough. <laughs> so seems like I've tripped over that thing, but I'm asking what you to do when you go to bed at night, you turn it off. Some of you go, it's my alarm. What did you have before this? What I'm, I'm asking is you turn this off. You do not turn it on until after your prayer walk. You don't turn it on until after your prayer walk. That simple moment of fasting, because you're not going to need it when you sleep anyway, and some of you don't sleep because every time it vibrates, you, you look at it and see who it is, as if the world's going to be different because, oh, my goodness. Just turn it off. Shut it down. And then after your prayer walk in the morning, turn it back on. I know some of you are going, I don't know if I can do that. Think about this. 20 years ago, I didn't have to ask you that. And our world hasn't gotten better in the last 20 years, people. So you can and we can. It's just a matter of surrendering. Next week, I'm going to announce to you one thing that we're going to do as a church. I drive around this city and there's a lot of growth going on. There's construction workers everywhere. And what I'm about to teach you is more about us than it is about what we're going to do. But I shared this with some of our leadership and we're going to buy cases of pop 
We're going to do it on a Thursday night. We're going to bring it here. We're going to put it in some horse tanks in our welcome center, and we're going to get it on ice. We're going to buy all kinds of candy bars and stuff. And I'm asking our church, here it is, at least take a half a day of vacation. Again, it's another way of learning the rhythm of margin. Half a day vacation, and we all come here on a Friday, and we're gonna go to every construction site in this town, and we're gonna walk up to every one of the people that we can, and we're gonna give them something cold to drink, we're gonna give them a Snickers bar, and we're gonna simply say, we just wanna tell you we love you, thank you for investing in our city. Now, let me tell you, let me tell you why I want to do that. No greater love that you would lay down your life. Philippians 2, that we're going to think of others more important than ourselves. I've been walking around my neighborhood and there's houses going up and unbelievable construction happening. And I look around our city and I'm thinking, wow. There's times where late in the evening I'm out walking with my wife and there's if you will, nail guns going off as they're working way in and those people have families too. And I'm thinking, you know, they're investing in a community I love. I just want to love them. I want to start moving our church where we are going to be God's people in this town. And we're just going to, you can say, listen, you can tell them. I don't care what you say. You can say, listen, you know, hold up on behalf of Pepsi, you know, and celebrate church. I don't care on half of Snickers, you know what I mean? Milky Way, you know, three musketeers, way to go. You know, I, I, we just want to tell you, you can say, listen, we're from Celebrate. I'm okay with that. But remember this, the moment that you say, why, they go, why are you doing this? The moment you say, I'm from Celebrate, you got to quit pointing your finger at me because you just took on my role. You just said, I'm the church. You just said, I'm a follower of Christ. And I want us to think that way. So we start thinking every moment of every day, who I am, how I drive, how I stand in line, how I do what I do. I want to represent Jesus. All that he gave to me, I just want to walk in that goodness every day. When you start understanding margin, you will naturally start doing it. And God will say, thank you for feeding me. And you go, when did I see you hungry? <laughs> when did I see you naked, Jesus? When did, when did I see you? Because what you did to the least of these, because you had margin in your life, you understood what really matters. You see how this series is going to work? Next week, I'm going to talk about how do we hear the voice of God? How do we hear the voice of God? It's gonna, it will wreck you when you see it before you, what, what it takes to hear God's voice. I'm pretty sure many of you haven't heard it this way. And so I want to pray for you. And I want to read this as we go to prayer. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. Notice that. Nothing's too late when you come to Jesus. Nothing's too far gone. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely 
and lightly. And all God's people say, Amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.